Today is the second Sunday after the Epiphany, and the Gospel bring a point for this day is taken from the second chapter of St. John's Gospel, beginning with the first verse. On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour is not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing twenty or thirty gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now, and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom, and he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from Jesus Christ, his Son, our Savior. Amen. Back in Advent, we heard about the occasion when the Jews sent priests and Levites to St. John the Baptist to ask him, Who are you? He confessed, but did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. The reference to the prophet sometimes confuses Christians, for there are many prophets mentioned in Holy Scripture but it is in the Old Testament lection for today from Deuteronomy, the 18th chapter, that we hear of the promise of the prophet. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren. Him you shall hear according to all you desired of the Lord your God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see this great fire any more, lest I die. The voice of the Lord and the great fire which the people saw came after the Lord gave the words of the Ten Commandments, for thus we read in Exodus, the 20th chapter. Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. When the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, You speak with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. The Lord spoke to the people through Moses. Though many prophets came after Moses during the time of the Old Testament, and though through them much was proclaimed concerning the coming of the Messiah, still, in a sense, all also continued to build on the foundation laid by Moses, and the promise of the prophet awaited its time of fulfillment. We read in Deuteronomy, the 18th chapter, And the Lord said to me, What they have spoken is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. It shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. Now Christ Jesus has fulfilled the promise of the prophet. The writer to the Hebrews begins the epistle with the words, God, who at various times and various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. The one who spoke to Moses in the burning bush became man and was born in Bethlehem. And it is this one who is God and man who came to the wedding feast at Cana. We read in Romans the twelfth chapter, 
Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. God in flesh came to a wedding feast in Canaan. In the eyes of men, the wedding may have seemed far from an important matter. The couple did not even have enough wine. But the Lord graced the gathering with his first miracle, and that was a blessing beyond measure. The wedding feast, we are told, was on the third day, and we are told now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Why? Prior to this, the Christ had been baptized by St. John, had been tempted in the wilderness, and had met Andrew, Peter, Philip, and Nathaniel. Immediately prior to the words of this gospel lection, Jesus declared to Nathaniel, Most assuredly I say to you, hereafter you shall see the heaven open, and the angel of God's and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Nathanael had been amazed that Jesus had seen Nathanael under the fig tree, but Jesus promised that Nathanael would see blessed things indeed. And now they had come to this wedding feast in Galilee, for Jesus and his disciples were invited. They had traveled no small distance to be there, returning from Bethabara beyond the Jordan to Canaan, to Cana, a town which is not far from Nazareth, we are told nothing concerning the identity of the bride and groom, nor of the master of the feast. But what we do see is St. Mary giving instructions to the servants. For we read, His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. It is reasonable to assume that Mary was in a position to give such instructions as to the conduct of events at the wedding. And thus we can conclude that either the bride or groom was of the family of Mary and Jesus. Mary took an immediate concern for the needs at that wedding, for when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. This is a truly astonishing statement if one pauses to consider it, for there are no recorded miracles before this point. Jesus had healed no one, cast out no demons, nor manifested any other such miraculous sign. And yet St. Mary comes to Jesus and declares, They have no wine. Jesus perceived what Mary was asking of him, that he would miraculously provide for the couple in their hour of need. And Jesus' response immediately connects her request to the work of the Messiah, which would be completed in his death. Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Thus, as we heard last Sunday, when Jesus spoke of doing the will of his Father, again, the focus is on his atonement for sin. Jesus' public ministry had commenced with his baptism. His hour is that fulfillment of the promise of the atonement for sin, which stood at that point still several years in the future. But with this beginning of signs, another step is taken on the road to the crucifixion. We should marvel at the faith which the Lord sustained in the heart of Mary. Our Lord is presumably about 30 years of age, Mary is now well advanced in years, decades having passed since the angel spoke the words to, to her, promising that she would conceive and bear a son. We know, of course, of the events in the temple when Jesus was twelve, and as we had occasion to think upon those words last week, when Jesus said, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? That biz business would be accomplished at the time known unto the Holy Trinity, we would do well to learn with St. Mary that God's timing is not according to our will, but his. As the prophet was sent according to the will of the Lord, 
So now this beginning of signs occurred according to the will and timing of the Lord. It seems that we are always wishing that things would either speed up or slow down. We want all things that we deem good to come to us right now, and that which we deem bad to never come at all. But consider what St. Paul teaches us in Romans, the 12th chapter. For there we read, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor and giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saint, saints, given to hospitality. Patience is a virtue, much warred against in our society. We want everything desirable now, and have no patience. Like children who think that if they pout enough and cry long enough, they will get their heart's desire, the temptation for us is to pout and to cry and to demand. To read the list of the virtues in Romans chapter 12 is to be called to repentance, if one is paying attention. Patience, steadfastness, generosity, fervency, and service are virtues in service of the one who has called us to be his people, who has redeemed us from death through the shedding of his own blood. The patience of Mary, the patience manifest in the Christian walk, is something worked by the Holy Spirit within us, which yields to the will of God and makes bold to pray to the Lord, knowing he will hear and answer our prayers. Thus St. Mary turned to the servants and said, Whatever he says to you, do it. Thus we would do well to listen to the Lord, rejoicing in his word, for therein is the promise of eternal life, through faith in Christ Jesus. The Son of God is revealed as the one who knows our needs and who provides for us. We read, now there were set there six waterpots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing twenty or thirty gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, Fill the waterpots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now, and take it to the master of the feast. That which had been used for ritual purification is now turned to a higher purpose, that the glory of the Lord would be manifested, and the character of the ministry of the Christ would be revealed. The words of the master of the feast speak to the nature of that ministry. For thus we read, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. How can we but see in these words an indication of the entire work of the Christ? Men begin with the best, and work their way down with time. The Lord has saved the best for last. Again, in the words of Hebrews, the first chapter, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. In this season of Epiphany, this time of the manifestation of the Christ, we hear the words of St. John, this beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. In these first two Sundays of Epiphany, we see how the Lord's work was accomplished within the community of believers and in the household of faith manifested in obedience to parents and in blessing the union of man and wife. Those who had come to the wedding 
came to celebrate one of the great gifts of God, the blessing that the Lord joins husband and wife together in this sacred bond, as he has done since the Garden of Eden. If nothing but a marriage feast had occurred that day, there would have been a great blessing of the Lord in which to rejoice. But the Lord fulfilled that promise on that day by bringing it to a higher level so that we would see the love of the Christ, the heavenly bridegroom, for his bride, the church. For as Jesus provided for the needs of that wedding feast, so he sets a feast before his church, so that his saints may eat and drink of his body and blood and partake of the communion for the forgiveness of our sins and the strengthening of our faith. Through the changing of water into wine, the Lord manifested his glory, and the disciples believed. By the grace of God, we hear the word of the works of the Lord, and give thanks that he transforms our hearts, bringing us to repent of our sins and to believe in him. The miraculous sign of the third day points forward to the greater sign of the third day, when Jesus rose again from the dead to live forever. In his resurrection is our life and hope, for we have been joined to him, and as he has been raised, so we shall be called forth to eternal life when he calls us from the grave. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, who dost govern all things in heaven and on earth, mercifully hear the supplications of thy people, and grant us thy peace all the days of our life. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. The people of Salem Lutheran Church of Malone invite you to join them today for the 10 a.m. worship service. Sunday school falls immediately after the divine service. We also have a midweek service on Wednesdays at 11 a.m., and we invite you to join us then as well. Salem was located approximately two miles north of Malone off of FM 308. For more information on Salem Lutheran Church or these broadcasts, you may visit, visit us on the internet at www.salemlutheranchurch.net. These broadcasts are provided through the support of the members of Salem Lutheran Church of Malone.